a lot of space, <laughs> apparently. I've been recording so many videos of all sorts of shit on it. It just gets absolutely full up. Just try to transfer the videos from my memory card from the last uh, meeting I did. And he's like, man, you need another 1.87 gigabytes. I'm like, fuck, I only bought this not that long ago. I just filled yeah. it up. <laughs> got already. YouTube videos and podcasts and training videos and all sorts of shit on there. And see, on, on the left here, I've got your... Um, I've got your Instagram up. I don't know if there's anything else you want me on there to to have access to to look at. To no, bring up. I mean, I mean, my Instagram recently has been a bit sort of like random. I mean, I I, I did do a thing. There's a squirrel. A, yeah, there's a squirrel. There's a, there's a like you, I did do a thing a little while, but a couple of few years ago, like hundred days of happiness. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there's like a hundred photos on there of like each day, something that I found, you know, made me happy that day kind of thing. And like, I had a lot of people kind of like follow me from that. Yeah. And that was when I kind of like got the idea to sort of write about the pursuing happiness kind of thing and all the rest of it. And like, because people were kind of like contacting me out of the blue, sort of like saying, oh, you, you know, you seem quite positive. You've, you know, you, you seem sound like you've gone through some stuff and you've come out the other side of it and all that. And yeah. like they wanted to sort of chat about it and seem, you know, got people that had been through some shit themselves, you know, yeah. suffering from anxiety and depression and God knows whatever else. But um, yeah, and it was, it was quite a positive experience. You know, I did it a couple of times. It was quite cool. People sort of like saying, oh yeah, I like your, like your post today and you, yeah. you know, your hundred days of happiness kind of thing, all that. So right, that was, so that's like right way down on the old, uh, on the old Instagram feed. But yeah, no, there's some it's random squirrels and cats and <laughs> plants and shit at the minute. Uh, but um, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, no, and like, no, there's nothing. Nothing. I think I, I share most things on Facebook, on yeah. Instagram, the same kind of stuff. Really. It's, did you did you close down the like the pursuit of happiness um, Instagram? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, had, I had a website and I and I and I've kind of folded it. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't really going anywhere, and I just I wasn't in the right frame of mind, and it yeah, and it. I just thought, no, I've, I've got to concentrate on my job. Do you know what I mean? I was, yeah, I was, yeah. I was getting too sort of like sidetracked, sidetracked, and you know it was affecting my work and stuff. And I was thinking, yeah. you know, my, and it was like that was the time when because I'm bipolar and I'm a and like the I was going a bit manic about it, and it was all a bit affecting my job and stuff. And it was like, no, hang on a minute, I need to rein this in and knock it on the edge because it's not. Okay. It's not going, where I, not going where I want it to go anyway, but right. Less, we'll, we're we're going to circle back to that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what we do, what did to do? So it's sort of like a, an introduction to sort of I suppose who you are, what you do now, what yeah, what keeps you sort of happy and motivated now, and then we'll fall back into the things you struggled with, right? So it was sort of an element of showing that you're in a good place. Yes. But this is where I've been, and this is what used to hurt. This is the struggles that I have faced. Blah, 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 blah. But now, right now, we're doing this. I'm happy. I'm feeling good. Blah, 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 blah. As long as you are feeling good and you're happy. Yes, my yeah, certainly, yeah. I certainly hope you are. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, welcome to Fear, the podcast, Seth Hoffman. Um, me and you, we are, we are acquaintances from quite a few years back now. Yeah. 
uh, got together through the mutual, uh, mutually beneficial sport of jujitsu, or probably MMA at the time, I guess. Um, yeah, a bit of both. Yeah, classes. Um, so, just Seth, if you just could introduce yourself to to the audience, let us know a little bit about yourself. What makes you tick? What keeps you happy? And yeah, you cut your current mental state, I suppose, where, where you are. Well, like I said, well, at the moment, things are good, mate. Yeah, I mean, I um, my name's Seth. Sorry, introduce hello. myself. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm uh, coming up for forty six now. Um, married, no kids. Got a couple of fur babies. Yeah, I didn't um, daddy yeah. fur babies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm a support worker for adults with learning disabilities. Uh, work in Tunbridge, work for a place called Scots Project Trust, which is a little charity that um, a lady set up because her daughter had a learning disability and she didn't have anywhere to go after she left education. So she set this place up and like built it from the ground up. And it's a successful little charity now. They've got like a residential care home and then there's, I work in supported independence. Yeah. So there's, Two, two houses with nine service users that we look after and we just we're just a safety net really to sort of like make sure that they're all all, all right that, that we sort of teach them life skills yeah to sort of like be as independent as they can be and then with the idea that they then move on and live on their own yeah um doesn't happen as often as we'd like we've got a, quite a few long-term residents that probably could move on, but don't seem willing to. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm enjoying the support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go. I'm very comfortable with my, in my comfort zone. I don't want to go anywhere else. But we've got one one girl who's like desperate to move out, and we're currently bidding on properties in Tunbridge for her to get her own flat because she's she's more than capable of living on her own. So yeah, that'll be good if we can get her get her in her own place and then um we'll then we'll get bring in someone new and start from scratch building up their skills and yeah. and um hopefully get them on to the independent living. Seth, out of curiosity, do you have headphones? I can put some earplugs in. I haven't got that wasn't so bad that time around. I just said I said something a minute ago and I got I got me back. I'm not getting it now, oh, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> it, oh, right, okay. It's cured itself. Um, yeah. I was going to say, Seth, the, the working with the uh, supported living, is it something you've had an interest in for a, a while or is it, did you fall into it? To be fair, it was kind of a, a, a family thing. My mum worked at Laybourne Grange. My nan and granddad worked at Laybourne Grange, which was kind of more like a sanitarium because I mean, back in the day, unfortunately, adults with learning disabilities were sort of like stuck away in in institutions yeah. rather than, rather than being given the treatment that they deserved. Um, and Laybourne Grange was one of those kind of places. Um, my nan and granddad worked there. Like I said, my mum worked there. Um, and my mum was a state registered nurse. My sister's a nurse. She's done a nursing degree. Um, and care is something that's kind of like been in my family, but I'd never really thought about doing it myself Yeah. until sort of like about four or five years ago. Um, I'd, I've done loads of different shit, mate. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I've done, I'll, believe it or not, I was a personal trainer years ago. I worked in the fitness industry for, for a while. 
Um, I've worked in warehouses. I've worked in factories. I've worked yeah. doing all sorts of different things. Been a van driver for a little while, which I hated. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, the, I've I've been doing care for like four years now, and I love it. I just it's um, I'm you know I wish I'd done it years ago. Yeah. So yeah. when, when you were younger, then in, in terms of uh, career, did you have a, a goal or a path that you wanted to pursue? No, I thought I, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I I applied to join the forces, um, but my citizenship was an issue. Um, right. My I was born in America. My dad is a, was an American citizen, and so that made me an American citizen, right. even though I moved back to England with my mum when I was like nine months old. Right. So I know nothing about America at all. You know, <laughs> it's like if nobody had told me, I wouldn't have known that I was an American citizen sure. even. But when I went to join the forces, they found out and they were like, hang on a minute, you can't join until you're a British citizen sort of thing. So I was like, oh, right, because they could call you up for national service. Yeah. And, you know, you we want you to be ours kind of thing. And I was like, oh, right. You know, anyway, so I, I talked to my dad about getting British, and, British citizenship and he refused. Yeah, Because right. um, I didn't talk to my dad for about 25 years. It was a bit of, we had a bit of a funny relationship, to be fair. He was a funny fella. Yeah. So we that didn't work. So I had to wait till I was 18 to do it on my own as an adult. And that process took about two years. Right. And by the time I was like a fully fledged British citizen, I'd been out of school for like five, six years and like grown into my own person and had my own sort of individuality. And then when I went to do the potential recruits course and stuff, um, it freaked me out because it was just like, you know, people shouting at me, telling me what to do, how to do it, where to yeah. sit, how to, work, how to wash, this, that and the other. And it was like, fuck this. No, thanks. No, thanks. You know, yeah. whereas if I'd have done it straight from school, as I originally had planned, being in that kind of like regimented kind of being told what to do on a daily basis, I think I could have done it, you know. But yeah. at twenty twenty one, I was like, no, fuck this noise. And mm. it was like, just... Um, so that didn't work out. So I, I floated around and doing a few different jobs. And then um, I've always been a bit of a meathead and a gym buddy, which is, I told you, the... the, uh, the personal training. The personal training and, and, the, and the biceps of doom hotmail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the email address. The email yeah. address, yeah. Um, that got me a job, that email address. Yeah. I went to an interview and the bloke was like giving it up. The first thing he said to me when I sat down at the interview, he's like, mate, I pissed myself when I saw you. <laughs> and it just broke the ice and we just had a chat and it was like, and he gave me the job. It was it was wicked when I worked up in London. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I've always, always been a bit of a meathead and, a, and like a gym rat. And so I I used to go to the, the gym, uh, Lartfield Leisure Centre and I used to train down there and, People, I started noticing people kept sort of like coming up to me and asking me what they should be doing to do this or do right. that. And, and I'm thinking to myself, there's people who work here that can tell you that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? what's, what's the score? And like, so I, I thought, well, if people sort of like think that I know what I'm doing just from watching me training or whatever else, then maybe I could do it for a living. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I looked into it and got qualified and started working in gyms and stuff. And then, and 
doing personal training and and I worked in the fitness industry for about six or seven years. Yeah, wow. So for something that was kind of flippant, it, it kind of took hold of you for a little while then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did, I mean I worked Did you worked want to escape in, it or was it like you felt stuck? Do you like you enjoyed it or you was once you were there? No, you I kinda... did enjoy it. I, I, I enjoyed it for um for many years. Yeah. I mean worked up in it, I've worked in a few different gyms, kind of like local authority leisure centres, and then and I and I've, I've like was applying for promotions, like to be like um, you know gym supervisor or this that and the other, and I got passed over for promotion a couple of times. So I decided to leave, um, and I went and worked in London. I, I applied for Home's Place. They're not they don't um, trade anymore. Yeah. as home place i think they're virgin active now but um at the time it was a company called homes place and uh i applied for the bromley one because i was living in alpington at the time with my wife yeah uh, in her dad's house and um but when i went for the interview the guy who interviewed me like i say i had this like you know funny interview with this guy <laughs> yeah he poached me and got me to go and work at barbican um which was their flagship site um, it's where they had their personal training academy and did all their in-house training and stuff like that at Barbican. Yeah. It was it was a pretty mega gym to be fair. It was um they had like an indoor running track and um say like fifty-two treadmills and like a it was big, a big old place. <laughs> big old place, yeah. It had dedicated women's only gym. Like upstairs, downstairs training rooms, like at its own in-house laundry and everything. It was a, it was a pretty mega big deal, mega unit. And uh, yeah, I worked there for a while and like did did personal training there, and um, until it got to the point where I was just working more hours than was necessary i was it just it took over my life it was it was fine i was sort of like i was earning good money and and but i was working sort of like knocking 80 hours a week because it was like because it was sort of like six o'clock in the morning starts five o'clock in the morning starts sometimes if i had to open the club and finishing at like 10 11 at night do you know what i mean it's like because people want to train before work and after work yeah and like so, it was like I didn't have much of a life. To be fair, it was kind of like it was getting to me. And um, me and the wife wanted to get married. And uh, friend, my cousin worked in a warehouse, and he was sort of like he sold this job to me. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, come and work here. We're you know the money's really good, and like it's it's easy graft, and this that the other. And he sold it to me, and like I've I've fell for it to be fair and yeah. I went and went and worked in this warehouse and I ended up being there for 10 years oh wow and um but it affected my mental health quite badly yeah. so um, you see obviously you said about the the amount of hours you were putting in at the gym started yeah. to affect you in, in what ways did that take an effect just like just, tired just, just um my personal life do you know what I mean it yeah. was like I mean, I loved loved the work. Do you know what I mean? Training people was was a real passion. I yeah. used to love it. It's too Doing many people, hours. Just too many hours, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like it was like oh, well and good earning this money, but when am I going to go and spend it? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there was no life, no life balance. So I 
that was why I jacked it in in the end and and uh, went and worked at this warehouse and um, just carried on training myself. You know, that was the thing. I always had the, had the passion for sort of like training. Yeah. And um, and then sort of fell in fell into martial arts a bit later on. Started watching UFC and all that, and just thought to myself, "Oh, hang on a minute, it looks quite good." Because you know, growing up, you do the you do the karate and the taekwondo yeah. and all that. You do that as a teenager, don't you? You think, "Oh, yeah, this is this is fighting." And then he then he watched UFC and you think, oh, "Actually, no, that's fighting." <laughs> actually, yeah, that's, actually, that's, no, that's, that's real, real fighting. And yeah. then, like you know, you, you you know, you see the ground game, and you kind of like. You watch it and you think, "Hang on a minute, jujitsu. That's that's a bit special. That's look. That seems a bit so. You know, I looked looked into local places that did it and found CSA and went there and got into the jujitsu and the MMA and stuff and um, trained pretty solidly for about five years down there. Yeah, and that's where I met met you, obviously, and uh, got as far as blue belt. Com- competed quite a lot. Yeah, once once some medals. Yeah, got your blue belt picture here. You got you got no shirt on. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was that, that, that was that's my my before picture, like the or the or the after picture, depending on yeah, you know the time of my life because I've put all that weight back on again now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're looking in good shape. There. This is well, this is a photo. Well, posted at least in 2016. Um, yeah, which was from a lot earlier than that, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, that's that's the day I got my blue belt. Ah, and I was under twelve. Oh, un- this monstro and Lee, yeah. yeah, and I was under twelve stone that day. Right, ah. and um, and I st- when I started training there, I was about fifteen stone. Yep, and so I lost like you know three stone got into mega shape and like, you know, because I competed at heavyweight to start with. Yeah. Was just, just getting flattened by guys. And then it was like, I need, I need to sort this, sort this out. And so I gave up drinking and started training really heavily and, you know, lost a lot of weight and uh, really concentrated on the jujitsu. And I started, yeah. when I got down, competing at middleweight, 82.5 in the gi, um, started winning medals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I loved it. You know, it was, it was a real, you know, you've competed yourself, you know what it's like, you know. Yeah. It's, it's um, it's a good buzz, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it it's is. like, you know, win, win, lose or draw. It's a, it's a good, it's good to test yourself. I mean, yeah. rolling's one thing and you, we, we roll hundred percent, but competition is another level. Yeah, the other person really doesn't care for your health. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> well, they, no. they they do, but you know, it's it's, no, it's, not, it's not the same as your training partners. No, but it's and, it, and it's it's ramped up because it's competition. It's like yeah. the nerves are there, and the crowd you know, you is find, there. The crowd's there. There's people watching you, and you know your your coaches might be there, and and all the rest of it, and and. You're fighting guys that you've never met before. Yeah. Like you say, don't care about you. And they're there to win as well. And it's like, no. it just takes it to another level, you know, and it's like, yeah. but to, to test yourself in that way, that's, that's what that, you know, that's, 
That's what, it, what it's, it's all about. That's what it's historical. That is. Yeah. You, you and another man just duking it out. Yeah. In front, in front of an audience. They're paying, yeah. paying for your blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was at my, my last competition. So obviously I'm trained for a year now, but it was yeah. uh, February 2020. And I came in overweight. Um, I think I'd, I was only recently back from injury anyway. Yeah. And then, um, so I'd put on weight in Christmas and then I was back at training as well. I've just got my blue belt. I want to compete because I want to know, I want to know what the level's like now. Sure. I kind of, as much as I didn't compete that often in white and, you know, um, but I felt like I kind of got the gist of the majority of how people worked on the mats at, at white belt level in competition. Yeah. I was just found most of it. If I just like didn't do any of the dancing, just ducked in, got my double legs, got the takedown and, um, and it just worked to score points. So I knew going into blue belt was definitely going to be an introduction to a higher skill level. Yeah. But the problem I had was coming in overweight. I was competing at heavy, but now sure. people at blue belt who are experienced, and they're that heavy because they're big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, they're yeah. big and strong and knowledgeable. Yeah, I was say overweight, under fitness. I just it was a disaster. But I had a really good day. Yeah, and I, I kind of managed to do the things I wanted to do. Um, yeah. I scored first takedowns and things like that. And those yeah. those are the things I wanted to make sure I did. Um, yeah. I got happy with myself doing that at blue at white belt level just like sure. i'll get the i'll get the first points i'll get the first takedown that's that's what i want and what i still managed to do that the last one was uh bjj 24 7 uh brighton winter brighton right yeah, yeah. it was good a really good event actually um yeah. their new venue down there they've they've got um is it september i want to say I think they're oh it might be August they got their summer one back at the same venue, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm on for that, so I'm hoping we can get back to training soon. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and just like, ignoring all of this, I want to know what you said previously about um, trying to join the forces. Was there a significant reason that you decided to do that, or was it like a means to an end? Like I need something. Um, a little bit of both, I think. Um, I, my, my granddad was in the forces, like a lot of granddads were in the war and stuff. Yeah. Um, but my granddad was like quite unique in the fact that he served in the army, Navy and air force in his life. He did like, he, he joined the army as a boy soldier. He lied about his age. Yeah, joined the Grenadier Guards and um, was a boy soldier, and he worked his way up to palace service. He was um, a Grenadier Guard at the palace when um, King Edward was still on the throne. Right, and um, then he left the army before the war. No, it was no. I'm I'm getting this wrong. It was the, I think it was the navy he started with as a boy, lied about his age, did that for a while, but then left. Then joined the Grenadier Guards, left, and then then national service and the war came along, and it was like right. So he he wanted to 
joined the Air Force and he wanted to be an air gunner, but he, he was, they said, what do you do in civilian life? And he was, and he was a nurse. Right. So he's like, so he's like, no, you're going to be a medic. Yeah. Um, in the Air Force. And he was actually part of the liberating force of Belsom prisoner of war camp. Um, so he was caring for guys that they pulled out of there, which was pretty horrific. Um, he, he never used to talk about anything bad that he'd saw in the army, in the army or the air force, but he would always talk about the good stuff that he did. Yeah. So he'd talk about the palace service and then he'd, he'd talk about when he was in the boxing team and this, that and the other. And um, he would, he would always talk about the, the, the good side of the forces, but he didn't talk about anything that he, cause I mean, I'm, I'm under, the, under the belief that he was suffering from PTSD. Right just un, undiagnosed sure, because people didn't really sort of like see it as something back then. No, no. Um, but you, you know, you talk to him and the fact that he wouldn't talk about certain things and you know, what he must've seen during, yeah. during those times, it was like, it wouldn't surprise me. I've got a friend of mine who's got military induced PTSD. Um, and they were quite similar characters yeah um but like yeah i mean i've got an uncle that was in the police force got an uncle that was in the fire brigade so services and forces and things like that kind of again were a family kind of thing yeah and um and i just didn't know what else to do really it was i thought so join the army or whatever do something like that and see the world a bit and, and do it but like i say didn't pan out in the end no, see, for me, but, um, like, that was uh, – my stepdad was a soldier. I'm sure it's a right. My granddad was in the Navy and others, but my most sort of direct influence my, is my stepdad. He's still yeah. a soldier. Oh, a soldier. He's, he's high up now. He's not so much a soldier, but, sure. um, yeah, he's, he's high up in the Army. But he, he was – I put it to me. He was like, oh, yeah, travel the world, learn to drive this and do this and da-da-da-da-da and make friends. And to me, at yeah. the time – that was my thing. Make new friends, start fresh, sure. travel the world, get away. Yeah. Uh, when I was 16, I was right at the tail end of all my like my biggest years of drama with school. Like a lot of my problems were at school. And yeah. so it was like, the army, great. It's an escape. I can leave the country, leave all these people and all this drama behind. Yeah. It seemed like a great idea. Um, and this was sort of 2001-ish. And I did. I, I signed up. I went to, had all the tests and all that jazz and, yeah. Um, and then I left to live with my mum in Cambridgeshire and continued the thing up there. And I think I was due to go for selection weekend. And I was like, you know what? Like, no, <laughs> I've, 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 I've started a new life here and I've made new friends. I've, I've yeah. already left all that behind. Sure. You really want to be a soldier. It was just like an escape route for me at the time, sure. which yeah. felt like it, it makes sense. Just leave everything behind and start from scratch. Yeah. Um, but just to say a change of town kind of did that for me anyway. Yeah. And, and to an extent, I'm really glad that I didn't because that was obviously 2001, September yeah. 11th. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd have been straight out, uh, straight out in, uh, in Iraq. Afghan or something in Iraq. Yeah. 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 Flying yeah. wars you know, straight away. Uh, exactly. and I could not be here right now. Do you know? Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And all, and all just to run away. Yeah. Because because I wasn't honest and open with how things were. Yeah. But it seemed like the right choice to make at the time. 
Um, and it clearly wasn't. It wouldn't have been the choice to make because it's not what I wanted. It was an influence externally. Um, my stepdad absolutely loves it. He's been been in it since he was sixteen. Um, yeah. he, he, he's all for it. He's all for the, the forces. Um, but yeah, like, I, I obviously didn't, and it was it was all good. Everything's come out the other side. Um, yeah. And I, I've done various other things instead, instead of being in the forces. So, but yeah, that, yeah that's what yeah. I was curious about. You like your sort of um, step into it, whether it was like a an influence or a like I've got nothing else to do. This is something anyone can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was more. It was. It was. It was kind of the fact that it was like, you know, you trained to do a certain thing, but then you can also train to be something else. Yeah. You're not only a soldier, you can train to be an electrician or a chippy chippy or a plumber or whatever you want to do, you know, because yeah. I wanted to join the Royal Engineers, but my eyesight, my eyesight wouldn't let me do it. I got, I got the bins on. My eyesight was, was rubbish. So, um, but I could have joined a different regiment. Yeah. Just wouldn't have been able to be a combat engineer, but and that kind of was what I kind of set my heart. Um, but I, yeah, it just didn't pan out. Like I say, it was it took took me so long to get to the point where I could, where I got to that selection weekend, and I got there and it was like you know these these guys kind of like screaming at you, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, hang on a minute, now this just don't for me, you know? Yeah, no, no thanks. And. Um, <laughs> I've got massive respect for people that do do it. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that can put up with that bullshit and 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 deal with it. Um, but it just wasn't for me in the end. And like, so like I say, I, just, I that was back in or the back in the nineties. I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> so uh, ten, ten years, sir. Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Forty six this year. So I'm, um, I'm 37 this year. There you go. 37, yeah. Yeah, still a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as well, and we we've talked um we've we've covered a lot a, a lot of distance now with a few of these jobs. Um working long hours uh affecting your your life, you say. And you shouldn't yeah. had a you say, uh, excuse me, put my tongue in my mouth. And the effect on your relationship, assuming with your with your wife, or wasn't wife at the time. Yeah. Did did she raise an issue with it, with like um, never being around, or was it you just like witnessing it and observing the fact that you're I'm not around and I'm not even getting to enjoy this relationship currently? Yeah, it was more me. She she's always been a diamond. She's never she she don't complain. Bless her heart. She's um. It was more me feeling it. Yeah. Really than, than anything, you know. She's she's always been nothing but supportive of me, whatever I've done, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. Even when I like left left the fitness industry, she was cool with it, and she was like, you know, if that's what you want to do, if you're not happy anymore, yeah, and you want to go and do this sort of like dead end factory job, do, <laughs> warehouse job, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? That's not a yeah. problem. But and then like I, I worked in the factory. I started off doing nights because it was better money. Yeah. And so that, and I did like a year and a half of nights, permanent nights. And that was like, that affected our relationship worse than working in London. Right. Um, so I remember, I remember going on a holiday with some mates and uh, for a, one of my mates, Stag Boos, and uh, talking about it and sat, making the decision that when I got back to England, I was going to 
jack in nights and go on days and yeah and because we were getting you know we were due to be getting married no well no no I, we got married probably about a month after I started working there so the first year and a half of our marriage I was doing permanent nights yeah I'm rubbish with timelines and I mean time and, just vanishes doesn't it I'd like to see um, I keep saying like, last year and I didn't yeah, do anything yeah. last year <laughs> Talk to my wife. She she's brilliant with timelines. She can remember dates and time, things that in order of, yeah. of how they happened and stuff. And I'm rubbish. I can't remember. That's why I got it wrong with my granddad earlier on. It's like, oh no, that was then, and that was after, and that was that. So it's like, yeah. I, so my my life story gets jumbled up as well. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, but um, I'm sure like the stuff I've been through, my brain's a bit scrambled now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like. So you, you yeah. say, okay, so you say the things you've been through have scrambled your brain. What what are these things that you think have scrambled your brain? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to when I was a kid because yeah, I mean because I related to a lot of stuff that you talked about in your introduction episode. Yeah, um, and feeling sort of like depression as a kid and and. Um, you know, while you're at school and being bullied and stuff like that, I related to a lot of stuff that you talked about. Um, I was incredibly anxious as a teenager. Yeah. Um, suffered with anxiety, not not diagnosed or anything. It was just just looking back on my teenage years and thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, yeah, you were really suffering with anxiety back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, to the point where I, I self-harmed right. a little bit as a teenager to be fair and again didn't really realize that was what I was doing right um and then I sort of like turned to drink started drinking at a very early age um and I mean I grew up similar to yourself divorced parents yeah my my mum and dad got divorced when I was a baby like I say I was like born in America, come back to England when I was like nine months old, saw my dad at the weekends for about three or four years, decided I didn't want to see him anymore yeah. for some reason. Something was weird going on and I just, I don't know, it was like him and his new wife and I decided I didn't want to go and see him anymore and I, and I didn't see my dad for 20 odd years. Yeah. Didn't talk to him, for, which is probably why he didn't want me to, why he said no for me getting my British citizenship because he was like, he knew better because in hindsight, I wish I'd kept the American one now, but it's right. um, one of them things. Why, why, why do you want your American citizenship? Well, because it's like, if I had an American passport, I, if I did want to go and work in America, I could just go out there and do that straight away. Yeah. Wouldn't need a green card or anything. I could, I could, um, and, uh, not that I, that I want to do that now, anyway. Yeah, that, that, was, that was about to be the question. Is that something yeah, you're interested in doing? I, flocking? No, when I was a when I was personal training, it was something that was it was kind of yeah. like you know I could go to America and do this, but yeah. now I'm a British citizen, I can't. And I was so it was just you know hindsight's a bitch. You kind of think to yourself, oh well, you know. But then you know I'm a big believer of everything happens for a reason, and yeah, you know I met Becky and she wouldn't have wanted to live in America, I don't think, but, um, you know, we're settled now. We've been living in Larkfield for 15 years now. We've, you know, you're on your second home, you said, didn't you? And, yeah. um, 
this is yeah. this is our, our our first house, and I fully intend it to be my last. To be sure. honest, I'm, well, um, there, there, there's reasons why it was our second house, and uh, I'm hoping at some point I might manage to get uh, do one of these episodes with my wife. Sure. Um, we, as a couple, and as many think strong relationships, we'll go through some dramas, um, and a lot of. Uh, us having a second house now is my wife. She's from Cambridgeshire. I met her right. when, I, when I left and ran away from everything. When I went yeah. to my, my mum, I met uh, met my now wife. So I met her when I was 16. So I've known her for 20 years now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Time flies, doesn't it? It, it does. Well, we, didn't get, we didn't get together at that age. I, I instantly fell in love with her, but that's a different story. She thought yeah. I was some sort of weirdo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, she her father passed away and she wanted to be close to her mum and yep. wanted her friends her original sort of friends from cambridge so you know we that that took a big toll on her not being sure. near her mum and not being able to be with her mum now that her mum was alone and for me i had what i felt like a, a career uh, sure. and a future in my family business and so yeah. i can't can't just up and leave all of that because no. I've got this future. Mm. And to me, that future was successful, wealthy, uh, you know, taking over the family business and whatnot. And then I had a sudden change of heart. I wanted to pursue a different career. And another company, as much as I've stayed doing the same thing, I haven't had a different career. <laughs> um, another company reached out to me and offered me a position. Um, and I could work from Cambridge. And I was like, well, okay, well, there's the job. The job part solved. Obviously, going from you know Kent to well, not necessarily Kent, but where we lived in Kent versus yeah. Cambridge is like well, we're now going to a city. It's extra expensive. I'm not going to be able to afford to buy a house and rely on getting a new job that's going to be stable for us to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the job came, and there was like, all right, let's do it. Let's let's go answer that question. So we sold the house, moved all our stuff to storage in Cambridge, and I went and lived with my mum for eight months. Whilst we looked at houses and yeah, um, and nothing ever, never ever materialised because we realised just how expensive it is, sure, um, just how much travelling you have to do to do anything in Cambridge, how yeah. much it costs to park in Cambridge. And- oh no, we we went to Cambridge last year, the year before, yeah, and it's you have to park and ride, mate, because the parking is outrageous. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and so when you live there and that's like your regular town, it just is yeah. a bit much. And then I think my wife kind of realized that she'd made a mistake. She missed the friends she created back in Kent, sure. uh, through all the baby group stuff. Yeah. And so we moved back to Kent. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, uh, I suppose our own struggles in our relationship and mental health issues created the reason why we left and why we're now in our second house. So right. we we moved away for eight months and come back again, but um, but we yeah we've been in our house now six years and everything's kind of good. So yeah, yeah. woohoo! That's that that <laughs> that question answered. But my yeah. wife needed that question answering. Yeah, am I going to be happier back at home? Yeah, with my wife and and a lot of my family live up there as well. Um, right, but it, it it didn't provide the cure that she needed, but it no. did answer the question. Yeah. But yeah, but so that's yeah, that's why I'm on a second house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, we we 
we lived with Becky's dad in Alpington when I worked in London. Becky, because Becky used to work in London as well. Um, and so it was just more convenient for us to commute from yeah. Alpington than it was from, because I grew up in West Malling. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't afford a place in West Malling because it was ridiculous. Um, and we, so I moved into Becky's dad's house in Alpington and was commuting to London from there. And Becky was commuting to London from there. We lived there and we sort of like, we, we lived on Becky's money and put my money in the bank yeah. to save up for the wedding and the deposit for the house and all the rest of it. And I like, mean, we, we did give her dad bill money and stuff, but like he didn't charge us a lot. So it was kind of like we lived on Becky's money and, and put my money in the bank. And so that was how we managed to get on the housing ladder because our people do it now, mate. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's baffling. Like, yeah. It, seems, it seems impossible. Um, yeah. Yeah, Our prices have not matched inflation in wages and all that jazz. So it's... no, not at all, not at all. Um, we we got in just just in the right time, you know. Like yeah. I say, you know, our, this unbelievable, really. I mean, we remortgaged a couple of years ago to borrow money to do an extension, and um, our house was like a hundred grand more than when we bought it. Yeah, it was like. How is how is our house worth our, a quarter of a million pound? It's like you're having a bubble, wouldn't you? And um, yeah, so yeah, crazy, mind blowing, really. It's like Becky, Becky's brother is a self employed electrician. He earns real good money, and like yeah. he's him and his girlfriend can't afford to get a mortgage, right? And uh, you know they can, well, they they can't borrow enough to buy a place they could afford the mortgage but nobody's willing to lend them enough to get a place yeah see that, know, that, that's one of the awkward things that comes up isn't it like people go oh you can't afford this mortgage it's like well I'm paying a thousand pound a month in rent in rent exactly I definitely yeah. can <laughs> yeah totally um, exactly it makes no sense whatsoever you know I feel, feel sorry for them because they've been renting for they've been together for donkeys and like they've been renting for a long time and they and they both graft do you know what I mean yeah. you know and this, that's the, the, the sickener of it uh, is you know you, you see people grafting and they just can't get anywhere you know and it's like I'm not going to go down that road where I'm complaining about people on benefits and that but um, you do sort of like see people getting handouts when there's grafters out there that can't seem to get a, get on in life you know yeah, I mean, there's there's an under like uh, uh, an amount of it. I assume we don't really understand or see sure. or get into because we we're not there. So it's no, it's difficult. And you can it's, it's that's a problem. I think but you you can be judgmental of the of people who yeah are on those kind of benefits. But it's the same being in theory, I suppose, judgmental to anyone with any kind of difference to yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, you know, again, the same with people of wealth. Um, you look at them and think, bloody hell, like, look at all that you've got. I did the, the exact same, so with, with my family, looking like, look at all you that you've got. Why have I not got that? <laughs> they're, like, they're 20 years older than I am. There's, there's a start. They've been grafting for 20 years longer than yeah, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, I know we've, we've uh, been jumping about a little bit here, but we'll go back to you saying about school, school time and bullying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you, yeah. you, you I happy mean, I to talk? Up... Sorry. sorry. You, you, no. <laughs> you having to talk about, you said about um, self-harm and stuff. Yeah. 
Do you know what initially triggered that? And I think just the anxiety of trying to fit in. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, it, it was weird. My my adolescence was kind of. Um, tumultuous really I started puberty really early and I got relentlessly piss taken because of it yeah was it did um, you like get your facial hair in early Is that- yeah my, my voice broke overnight yeah. I was like at primary school yeah I kind of went to bed one night sounded like Minnie Mouse and woke up sounded <laughs> like Frank Bruno and like <laughs> yeah mom freaked my mum out in the morning I was like, alright mum and she's like oh you know, it was gone yeah. and like, and you know, started growing hair where I didn't have it before, and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, just got the piss ripped out of me relentlessly for year for a good few years until everybody else kind of caught up. Caught up, yeah. And there was, and I'm, and I'm thinking that there's something wrong with me. Sure, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And because um, I grew up without a dad, and I didn't really want to talk to my mum about it. Yeah. Um. Bless my mum, you know, God rest her. And she she was a drinker, my mum. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a in a single parent family with a with a very, very high functioning alcoholic parent. Right. Um she held down multiple jobs and looked after me and my sister. Um and like I say, very, very high functioning, but she was an alcoholic, bless her heart, and she wasn't there for me emotionally. You know, yeah. she, I knew I was, I knew I was loved. I knew, you know, she provided for me financially, and and I and I knew that she loved me, but she she wasn't there emotionally for me. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think if if you had have raised issue and you had a boy up, that she would have been, if you know what I mean? Because yeah, I, I, I know probably, I didn't open up. Yeah, if I, I, and I'd say covered this in that that first episode. I didn't yeah. speak out because I thought that they yeah. weren't available. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. That's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, what if how I had talked to her about it, would she have been able to kind of like, and and, and the. You know the logical intellectual part of my brain says that yes, she would. Um, you know, she was a nurse; she could have sort of like said, you know, it's perfectly natural for you to be going through these changes. Yeah. It's just happening very early yeah. to you or whatever. But um, but part of again, part of me sort of like was believes that she may not have been able to yeah. do that for me because of. Like I say, she, you know, she was quite emotionally distant. Yeah. Um, and I think that was because of, you know, she, it's another whole, another story. The, the, no wonder my mum drank, to be fair, because some of the stuff that she went through as a, as a kid growing up. And, yeah. you know, she had some tough times as well. And like alcoholism is kind of rife in my family, to be fair. Um, you know, myself included. And uh, like I say, I started drinking at quite an early age. Yeah. And um, drunk for a long time, he- drunk heavily for a long, long time. 
Um, but yeah, it's another story, my mum and that. But like, no, I mean, I, like I say, it's it's one of those one of those questions. You know, you, you ask yourself when you're an adult. Now it's like, what if I'd have done this? Mm. What if I'd have asked her? And that you don't know, you know. And, no. and you know, my mum passed away. Bless her. Um, it's coming up seven, sixteen, seventeen years now. Right. I was like, yeah, I was 15, no, 15 years. I was 31. It was just after my 31st birthday, my mum passed away. Yeah. And um, that affected my mental health massively. Sure. Losing my mum. I never, never dealt with that grief. No. Of, lo- of losing my mum. Um, ne- never spoke to anybody about it. And- no, I never had any sort of counselling or anything no. about it. And, uh Oh, I've, my family was very much. You don't talk about your feelings. That was that had come from my nan and granddad, my mum. Yeah, you know it was like very much stiff upper lip, bottle it up and don't talk about your feelings and just deal with it yourself. Yeah, you know, and it was through no fault. You know it's. The way things just, were, to, just the yeah. way things were, you know, that yeah. generation and stuff, you know. And it was, it's like, you know, I, I talk to my cousin now. I've, I've got a cousin, and we're more like brothers, and we talk about our feelings and, you know, about stuff, our mental health and stuff like that. And yeah. we talk, and that generation, our generation, we do do that now, you know. And my wife. There's been a massive support to me throughout all of that. You know, we talk about all all our feelings and everything. She's yeah. she's dragged that. She's had to drag that out of me, you know, to start talking about my feelings and yeah. and to be able to sort of like go to a doctor and sort of like admit that I'm struggling and that I need some help and yeah, you know, and I my like I say, looking back at my at my teenage years, I, I think my mental health problems started when I was, you know, very early adolescent. Yeah. But it, but it never really got dealt with. Yeah. Until it, until I, until my brain broke. Yeah. In my thirties. And for want of a better expression, I had a nervous breakdown and I had like periods of psychosis. Yeah. And, you know, psychotic episodes. And then I got diagnosed. And then finally, after years and years and years, got a diagnosis of bipolar. Um, but, yeah, grow, growing up, you did, you just didn't talk about... Mental health just wasn't, the you know, the, the wasn't talked about. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, just, it just wasn't talked about. Yeah, and it and it's not talked about enough now, even. But it, no. it's come it's come a massive way, massive long way since since I was a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's I think it's great that that people are talking about it now, and you know, kids have got places to go now, and and people that they can talk to. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be a kid these days with social no. media and technology. And it's it's and, funny that that comment comes up quite a lot. Uh, during these conversations that we had, you know, dealing with cyberbullying um, yeah. and this this um, projected image of perfection that everybody yes. seems to have. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's that's got a good following is yeah. 
perceived perception of, let's say, perfection and reality. When if you you know you peel behind the curtain, you see that a lot of that is false. I know sure. in my personal life, people who present this perfect, clean image. And yeah. their lifestyle is very, very different in real life. And yeah. I think it's very important to highlight that. And certainly for the for teenagers and for my kids, like my kids aren't allowed on social media, but a lot of their friends are. And yeah. my daughter was 10. There's no, there's no need for it whatsoever. No. Um, but there is, to her point at school, that peer pressure to have sure. Facebook or Instagram yeah. or TikTok. TikTok, like, yeah. Oh, I've been on TikTok because I like... Is my she sh- your oldest? Yeah. 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 I'm a, I like making stupid videos, always have done. And yeah. like that yeah. place for me to vent and sure. show some boredom. Yeah. Uh, but it's there's some there's some stuff on there that people do not need to see, certainly teens and trends that kids do not need to be involved in. But sure. you've got that sort of, oh, they've got so many followers because of this. I should be doing yeah. the same. And yeah. it, it's it's a toxic, toxic world that uh, social media for that aspect, I think. Um, yeah. So I like, I like to always try to present everything as real as possible. Yeah. Like, everything I do is my, my failures, my mess, my crashes, my, my, <laughs> my bruises. And, and the fact I fail, you know, I, I fail a lot. And, yeah. But that's important, you know. It's that's how you learn, isn't fail. it? Yeah. Like I've said it a million times and it'll probably come up just about every single episode of these. But like for me, what growing up watching Jackie Chan, he looks flawless. He presents yeah. this like image of, all, well, he doesn't look flawless. He presents his image of, knowing exactly what he's doing and everything works out perfectly every time. But at the end, he shows you how he got it wrong and yeah. that it hurt bad, but yeah. he still succeeded. And that yeah. is such an important message to me to like, you've got to fail to succeed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, success doesn't really, really high level success. Don't come without a failure because there's no lessons learned. No. Um, and I think talking about um, being kids opening up and, the body's changing at different times. I was the exact opposite to you. That right. I didn't develop till much later. So I got to watch everybody else develop and me still sure. not wondering what the, what the fuck is wrong with me. Yeah, sure. And not opening up because the majority of the time my available person to speak to was female as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that conversation's not happening. Uh, but I, I remained scared a lot through uh, secondary school because it seemed there was something in the water, even up to year 11 when I was like 16 years old. The year sevens were coming in bloody six foot tall. Sure. Um, yeah. Still down here somewhere like, who are these gigantic 11 year olds? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Um, so yeah, just constantly scared of massive people um, yeah. with pubes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I used to play rugby and um, I once, I was so small, I played for the, the team two years younger than me. Right. Up till I was 16. And one of the guys on our team, he had like full moustache going on. And yeah. the, the officials would be like, he's too old to be playing. He's got moustache. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he's, he's 14. And I'm there like, I'm 16. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who's too old, but I'm so bloody small. Nobody's taking any yeah. notice. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd time. And that whole yeah. opening up thing, we're, we're trying to obviously put that across to our kids and just yeah. talk to us. If there's something if there's something wrong and you need to talk to somebody, even if you can't, you don't feel like you can talk to me, tell me. That you and we'll get someone else. Yeah, but it's like, if obviously yeah. I've got a daughter, there'll be a lot of female issue things that she'll not want to talk to me about. No, sure. She's very aware that she can. 
But it's like, if, if there's something wrong and I ask you, you say, you know, I need to talk to mum. It's something I need to talk to mummy about. Yeah. Okay. As long as I know, you know, you need to talk and you're happy to talk, but you're not just hiding things from me because it's, I need, I know I'll, I'll be exact. I was exactly the same. Even if I knew someone I could talk to still didn't. Um, and my wife, her, her mum and dad are older than mine, the next generation again. So their uh, conversations about sexuality and body changes and stuff just didn't happen. Sure. So she's obviously trying to learn that lesson with, with our two and make sure that we are as open and honest about bodies changing and sex and life in general that yeah. we can be. We don't, don't hide truths because they find out all sorts of shit at school. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they come across all sorts of stuff. Um, that we have to be open and honest about, you know. Yeah. Um, we talk obviously about religion. They're at a C of E school, you know, yeah. religion and stuff gets covered. Uh, my mother-in-law is religious to an extent. I'm not. Um, no. Although I was raised in Sunday school and church and things, <laughs> which yeah. which I learned was just so that my mum could do the ironing. <laughs> it's nothing to do with religion. My mum just needed a break. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Church yeah. on Sunday and Sunday school. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so as your your mental health then as a kid dealing with being bullied for being different, was there any other ways that you didn't fit in? Do you have a different interest than a majority of people? Was it? No, that was the thing. That was almost the opposite, really. I was very sporty, yeah. and what you would kind of consider to be in that one of, one of the popular kids. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, and, but that was where the bullying came in because it was like the school that I went to was very much like somebody has to be the hardest. Yep. And I was kind of like targeted as a sporty popular guy. And it was like, well, if I can beat Seth up, then, I'll be the hardest in the year yeah, or whatever. And so I started getting people kind of like attacking me for no fucking reason. Yeah. Um, to the point where one day I got attacked by two people at the same time. Yeah. And took a beating and it was just sort of like, I thought, fuck this. I went home and I said to my mum, I'm never going back. Yeah. And I changed schools because it was just, I just, didn't feel safe. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, I'd, yeah, it wasn't that I, that I had different interests or I didn't fit in. It was, it was, I don't know, just, I don't just know, because. Just, <laughs> just because I, yeah. I don't know, I portrayed this image yeah. that people thought if I can take him out, then people will think I'm harder than yeah. the, rest of the school or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's all that bullshit. And yeah, so, so school sucked. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Didn't didn't enjoy school at all. Um, all my school reports said does well when he's here. Right. But he's never here. Yeah. Because yeah. so that was about to be the next question with like with that and the self harm and alcohol abuse. Um, I shouldn't that affected your education and your yeah like GCSE or would it have been GCSE? Oh, I was going to say G- like, yeah, no, ages. I'm not that old. Yeah, yeah. GCSEs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was GCSEs. Yeah, I'm not that old. Um, 
Yeah, it did. Um, I did one of my GCSEs hungover. Cool. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's not something that I, it's something that I used to brag about, but I'm not. I'm, I look back at it now, and I'm not hung. I'm not proud of it. Yeah. Um, it was more important for me to go out the night before and celebrate one of my mate's birthdays and get wankered than it was to to do you revise and do this GCSE. And yeah. I remember going to the GCSE and doing it the next day with cold sweats and yeah. the DTs and just feeling like a bag of shit and, you know, completely flunking a GCSE that I should have done quite well in. Yeah. You know, getting ended up getting an E grade in in this G, this particular subject, and it was like, yeah, it was, you know, I look back at it now and I think, fucking hell, what were you doing, you know? But just, you know, that was just me at the time. That was that was my coping mechanism. Yeah, you know, drinking was was my was my way of escaping back then. You know, so yeah, it was yeah. School sucked. Yeah. Do you think you held on to a lot of those, um, a lot of those thoughts, a lot of those memories and anxieties for a long time? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I say, I think for me it started like back in my adolescence, and it just and it just snowballed because I never dealt with anything. Yeah. Never talked to anybody, and it just got to the point where. I couldn't keep my head above the water anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, and like I say, my brain just broke. And um, like I say, lose, losing my mum and then subsequently my dad because um, we got back in contact after my mum passed away. Yeah. And we had a quite a strained relationship. He was a funny bloke. But we did get back in contact and we made peace. Yeah. Um, but then he passed away as well. Um, so bereavement has been a big part of, you know, affecting my mental health. Um, ups and downs in the marriage. Yeah. Like we had, you know, couples counselling and things like that, going to going to see, you know, relationship counsellors and stuff like that. And then my then my counsellor died as well. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and, um, things like that. So it's kind of like that was a that was a real blow. That was like somebody pulling the rug from under me when when she died. Yeah. And, I assume having to start again with a new did you start again with a new counsellor? We 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 didn't know. No. Um because I just I just couldn't trust anybody else. Yeah, just start from scratch as well. No, she 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 was she was an amazing woman she she figured me out in minutes yeah. and um told me things about myself that i didn't even realize yeah you know um she had my number within minutes you know and uh, i just couldn't yeah i just couldn't feel couldn't do it with anybody else but luckily me and my wife you know we we worked through our problems and you know we like i say we've been we were in couples counseling for years and we worked through some stuff and it's only made us stronger, you know, we've been together for 21 years this year yeah. and uh, married for what year is it? 2021 got married in 
2004. Yeah. So however many years that is this year. 17? 16, 17 years, 16, 17 years. Something like that. Something like that. My I also failed right. maths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, school suck. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am. Um, but life got better after school. Do you know what I mean? I left yeah. school and, and started learn like, found out things that I did want to learn. Yeah. Like to become, you know, a personal trainer and a, and a fitness worker. Yeah. So I'd learned, you know, so my, so I learned all about anatomy and physiology and exercise physiology and things like that. And learning things that I was actually interested in. Yeah. I'd excelled, you know, but at school, it was just like, no, being yeah. told what I, what I had to learn and when and all the rest of it, just like, no, it didn't go, didn't go in at all. But I'm going to be really, really rude and just pause no, for true. a second. I, my, my other camera stopped recording. And then when I've got the time to sit and filter through all these fucking problems, then, yeah. I'll, then I'll start putting the videos up. Um, yeah. Because that was that was one of the things. Like originally, I wanted to present this as being out with people, and yeah. not necessarily always in the same spot. You know, like we can sure. meet on a bench with a camera and some microphones sure. and a yeah. coffee. Or I want to like demonstrate to people like all the awesome shit people get up to, like yeah. uh, jujitsu competitions. Um, yeah, go and what the fuck is this camera doing? Like go and see. Uh, speak to teenagers who are like competing on the mats who like you know might not necessarily be winning but they're there like still pushing every time yeah. that's the kind of thing I want to elevate like I met this kid last year sounds odd um, hmm. we were oh I was going with a friend down to a local basketball court just to get some exercise and a bit of mental health shit and um, this kid was there and he started chatting to us and whatnot. not so I was just going oh yeah yeah it's like Oh, I've just got, I got into basketball like last year. I was like really overweight and I was getting bullied and all that stuff. And I found like basketball and I lost all this weight and I don't have any dramas no more and I feel good. It's like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, he showed me pictures. I, like, you know, he was overweight. He goes, went to the Howard school, which, you know, synonymous for um, shit, you know, bullying and all that jazz. Yeah. Are you, is this recording now? Are you on pause? I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. That's got 20 seconds. It's recording. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was like, you know what? This is this is awesome that at his young age, he's managed to find a way to solve that problem. Yes. You yeah. know, he was getting bullied for being overweight. Well, all right. Well, I'll stop being overweight. So he, he did. He was, he was a really nice kid. And I wanted to sort of say, like, oh, can we have a chat with your mum and see if you're happy to do, like, an interview and, like, see, like, what made you change and what the problems you had. And, you know, now that you're in this position of um, you've taken the power away. You've, yep. you've, given, you've taken that reason away from them. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to to meet up with him and do this again, but all sorts of shit happened. And then the world was shit and never got down to basketball again. And I haven't seen him since, but... Right. I'd, like, I'd like to say I wanted to take this podcast out to those kinds of people. Yeah. Take, yeah, it, yeah. take it to the basketball court and go, oh, you know, yeah. show me your favorite shot and, you know, film that and go to BMX tracks and, like, oh, you know, clip the camera on them and the mic and go, like, run me through your favorite like part of the track and explain it whilst you're doing it and just make the podcast something that's not this sat down, boring yeah. thing because life doesn't sit still. 
Sure. And then obviously that's another reason why I didn't do it because it wasn't the image I had for it. Sure. But now it's like, I've just got to fucking do it. You know, we can't yeah. meet up. So if I'm not doing this, I'm wasting all this fucking time. Yeah. You know, where I could be doing it and it could be what I need. Like for me, this is now the, the, like the springboard for the brand. For, yeah. the, for the clothing. It's like, right, yeah. engage with me and who I am and the people that we talk to and maybe you'll check out the shop and be like, yeah. you know, I, I connect with that. Oh, I'm going to get that for this reason. Um, and then it will allow me to post, like, make more like, videos and photos for the brand and just elevate the whole thing. But it's yeah. got to start somewhere. Absolutely. This vision of perfection is like, I need to have this. Yeah. But you've got to start here. It's exactly. a, con- this it's a is confidence issue. Sure, absolutely. No. I mean, I mean, there's there's stories about like talk. I'm a big sort of um, fan of Tony Robbins. You've heard of Tony yeah. Robbins, yeah? And he talks about stories about people setting up businesses and sort of like you know failing over and over and over again, never giving up, and all the rest of it. He sort of like he talks about Honda. Yeah, talked about the Colonel Sanders with his Kentucky Fried Chicken and all that. Yeah. Colonel Sanders got turned down over a thousand times. Yeah, before somebody actually said yes. Yeah, did you hear there one like um, the guy from WhatsApp when he was uh, turned away for a job at Facebook, and then really ten years later sold him WhatsApp for fourteen billion or something stupid. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's like that. Like a bird. Yeah, take that. Thank you for my 14 billion. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it just, again, for me, it's just been that, that confidence issue. Of just sure. no, one, no one's going to give a shit. Because, again, my a lot of my things as a kid was my best friends stopped giving a shit. Yeah. So your best friends no longer give a shit. Like, why random people? And for a long, long time, I think where everyone was always bigger than me, I still feel small. Sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not tall by any means. I'm five foot nine. I'm perfectly average. I'm quite stocky built, um, but I still feel like this child. Like sometimes I, I can't be telling these adults how to do their job and what they should be doing with like asbestos management and stuff. I'm still just like <laughs> this tiny little child. Really, I'm 36 years old and I've got enough experience to be telling you what the fuck to be doing right now. Yeah. Um, but still, I have that thing in my head is like, oh, I'm this tiny little pathetic <laughs> Please, sir, please listen to what I'm telling you. <laughs> please, please don't hurt me. Um, but yeah, there's this, this confidence issues with, um, that say a, a recent, it was with recent conversations and opening up about the bullying and all that stuff as a kid that made me sort of go, oh, maybe that's fucking why, you know. Well, my friends didn't give a shit. So why would random people? But now none of those friends are my friends. So no. fuck them. Um, yeah, and the only exactly. friends who've stuck around are people who have been good friends, real friends. Yeah, and it, some yeah. of the people I lost friends with, who I made friends with again, I managed to be friends with for the same reason we were originally friends, because they're cool people. They yeah. just kind of fell by the wayside, you know? Yeah. Um, but even so, yeah. it highlighted the fact that I've bullied people or stopped talking to people because they were being bullied and I was scared of being associated with them. Yeah. Um, that that was a highlight. There's a gentleman who I hope to get on to here. Some words, well, two people I'm trying to get on to here. That um, one is not responding to me yet, and the other one we've been in conversation with for a few years. 
and I'm hoping he'll come on because he was one of my biggest bullies. Right. Also the first person to apologize. Cool. He apologized while we were at school. So I have, I have respect for him. That's cool. Um, but we got in a conversation on the phone and I, I had to tell him like, do you know that what you did to me made me want to kill myself? Yeah. Um, and he said, do you remember that when I first got to school, you bullied me? And I was like, no, don't remember that at all. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. yeah I do remember that. And I apologize. I said to him, yeah. at the time, I was being bullied. Yeah. And you were the new kid on the block. And it was easy for me sure. to take the power for five minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, I did it myself, mate. Did it yeah, myself. But it's these things like we're all capable of it. Um. You know, I talk so much about how bullying's bad and how people did the downtrod me and all this, and that, and the other. And there's probably times that I've done just the same. Yeah. Because for that brief moment, you feel powerful for a yeah. chance. Oh, I know yeah. I did. No, for a fact, I did. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that's been the advantage for me, opening up and talking to people about this, is realizing my own faults as well. Sure. Um, and just, just clearing out some of those, those reasons why I think I was holding on to so many things for so long. Yeah. Um, but saying like that, I couldn't speak to my parents. I've told them all about this and stuff now. It was like, oh, yeah, we knew there was something wrong. We're just waiting for you to open up. Yeah. Because if we opened up, you lost your shit and ran and hid and then would never talk. But yeah. we knew you needed to talk. We knew and we could see it, but you just wouldn't. So yeah. it's so good for me mentally to clear up all these things and like, you know, that's we knew you needed help. We knew you needed talking, but you just didn't come to us. Yeah. And they had to leave you to get on with it. Because if they made a scene out of it, I'd make a scene and it would just never happen. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful for uh, my own mental state to be able to open up and have these conversations with people. And hopefully, say, talking to people like yourself who's you know gone through similar issues, um, hopefully even them talking and opening up will help sort of realise certain things as well. And hopefully yeah. most people are already at a, you know, a stage where they've they've already had their discoveries and their yeah their reasons to understand the problems that they've had. Um, yeah. Like you say, with, with the grief uh, of losing your mum, who's obviously an, an extremely huge part of your your life. You, you know, you're only influence your main influence as a, yeah. as a child and having a fatherless home. Um, so I don't, I'm yet to experience that. Um, yeah, I hope you don't for a long time. Well, yeah, it sh should be, should be a, a well, I'd say it should be a while. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Cancer and holes in his heart, and <laughs> you name it. My dad will, my dad will try and have a go at that. He's, uh, he's a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> he's a man on the edge. He's like, Cancer, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. Want a hole in your heart and find out why you're. 30 meters underwater, yeah. All right, we'll have a go. Yeah, we'll have a go. There. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, the, yeah, our bodies are um difficult to keep alive, yeah, yeah. They're amazing, amazing machines, but unfortunately, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, yes, yeah. A lot of things that can go wrong. Well, I've got over here as well, just um, there's, there's something to pick up, obviously, people who are listening and hopefully some point watching you can see your beautiful moustache and how well curved it is i noticed yeah. the other day <laughs> on your facebook you'd made your own 
moustache moustache wax moustache wax yeah Moust- i do my moustache own, wax. Yeah. and you got a lot of it there it looks like you'd be sorted for um Oh yes, Cut of years worth there. there. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that something you're going to get into to to sell? I you... I thought about it for a while, but it's just again, it it would be um, having the confidence to sort of get it off the ground and yeah. and and do it in such a way that it was. Um... Like beards and moustaches are the in thing. Well, uh-huh. this is it. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I've never been one to follow fashion, but like it's just I like to be a little bit different and um, growing the beard and the moustache kind of like just I just kind of like fell into it. And uh, I was out one day, we was I was out with the wife and we was walking around a craft fair or something or other, and like somebody was selling beeswax, yeah. little blocks of beeswax, and I thought, oh, I'm going to buy one of them and see if I can make some wax for my moustache and just sort yeah. of like tried it one day and uh, melted it down and put some coconut oil with it to soften it up and put some essential oils in it to make it smell nice and uh, did it myself and it worked. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I'll carry on doing that because it's cheaper than buying it sure. from the shops. Yeah. And um, I did talk to a lady who used to sell essential oils and we sat down and she sort of like come up with some labels that I could put on stuff and things and, and like, and I, I think it's just a confidence thing like yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, you know, could I do this as a, you know, could I, would people want to buy this stuff that I'm making or whatever? You know I mean? I've, I think I've, at, the, at the beginning, I'd, I'd rather just sort of like, if, if people are into it and they want to, try it I'd sort of like give them a couple of chews for free and just see how they get yeah. on with it and and uh, if um, if it took off like that maybe sort of like say we'll give us a fiver for a tube then or whatever but yeah. um, no for me it's just a hobby really at the minute it's just um, yeah. I like a, I like my uh, my curly tash and the yeah. wife likes it the, the wife likes it that's the thing well, that's uh, you got it going isn't it? it's, uh, yeah. the wife's happy I, I I can't grow facial hair for my job anyway because I have to wear a mask at work so got you. I, I can get some stubble on every now and then and then it has to yeah. and if I got full beardy my wife would shave it off in the middle of the night she'd like, no she likes oh, she, see, my, wife, my wife's the complete opposite <laughs> I shaved it off once and she was like grow it back now bring it back yeah yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah so it's, yeah no she's the complete opposite she's like no grow that beard back you do it weird without it it's just yeah. odd so yeah you, know, yeah, well, you get so used bit. to an image as well don't you like the majority yeah. obviously our uh relationship i've been in the same industry so i don't ever really have facial hair unless i'm on holiday and i'm just like no i'm not shaving for these two weeks because no, yeah my skin needs a break um yeah but yeah, she'd, she'd be like, nope, shave it off in the middle of the night. <laughs> so I do like the uh, um, Movember thing. I'll get on that yeah. every now and then. It's like, yeah. just, just a little ridiculous. Just get, <laughs> get rid of it. Just a, uh, I remember once I went for an audition for a, a TV advert and there's like, oh, that moustache. Yeah. She is that staying or is this a Movember thing? That's just a Movember show. Good. <laughs> <laughs> get, get rid of that. Is that yeah. Can you, uh, would you uh, be object to losing that at all? No, no. no, no. <laughs> you got one more week and then you can get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so now we've, we've covered quite a few things and you've, um, 
essentially you found a way to, I suppose, combat some of those issues and go through couples counseling. And I assume that opened up a lot of your personal past issues as well within your couples. Yeah. 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 Um, We, it did. Um, Talked about childhood and stuff like that, you know, and I've, I've, I've had, I have had counseling on my own as well, you know, and uh, dealt with, I did, I did deal with losing my dad, never dealt with losing my mum, but I did, when my dad died, I had counselling and um, because we had such a weird relationship where I didn't talk to him for such a long time. I had a lot of resentment towards him as a teenager and stuff. And, uh, but I dealt with that and made peace with him, you know, before he died and stuff. So that's good. That was, that was cool. Um, But yeah, counselling, big advocate of it. You know what I mean? Like, if if you haven't got a, a mate to talk to, talk to Mind, give Mind a call with the charity, and yeah. um, they produ- they they will help you out at a much reduced cost because going to sort of like psychotherapists and things like that costs a fortune. But yeah. you can get count you can get counselling with Mind, the charity, for a fraction of the price, and it's just as good. And um, I actually donate to mind now yeah sort of as almost of, of, as a way of saying thanks kind of like you know for the for the help they gave me yeah when i was going through some stuff and um because my i have what's called a have got a charity account my wife works for charities aid foundation yeah in kings hill and uh they they have a bank and they you can set up a charity account and you can, I have like a standing order goes in, standing order goes out to to my nominated charities and things like that. And they claim the gift aid back and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so I give, give to charity every month. Um, and my nominated charity this year has been Maidstone and Midkent Mind. Right. Because that was, that was where I went for counseling when I was struggling after I got, because I was, the worst it ever got, I was actually hospitalised for my own safety. Right, okay. Um, because I was suicidal and I couldn't be left alone. Yeah. Is this um, re- like recent years? It was about six years ago, five or six years ago. Like I yeah. said, I'm not really good, not really good with timelines and dates and stuff. But I was. 3940 so yeah that's about six years ago and uh yeah just like i say my brain broke i was just i was in and out of psychosis um psych- having psycho psychotic episodes and uh really struggling with um suicidal thoughts and and uh and stuff like that, and it just just came to a head, and it was you know I, I was I'd, I'd lay awake at night just trying to think of reasons not to do it. Yeah. Um. And then it just got to the point where I just I I needed to be needed to be looked after because I was going to do it. Yeah. Um. And I was and you know my wife took me to hospital and they. 
and I I wasn't sectioned, but I was put into a mental health ward um, with a lot of disturbed people, bless them, um, in Maidstone. And um, I was there for a, for a number of weeks while they kind of like figured out what was going on and got me on the right medication and, and helped me out. Yeah. Because I just, I wasn't, because I, I just, well, it wasn't safe to leave me on my own. My wife couldn't have gone to work and left me on my own because she would have come home and found me. Yeah. You know, and uh, that was the worst it got, you know, and, um, but, uh, yeah, I got, I've been, I mean, I'm still on medication now, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I have to take antipsychotics and antidepressants. Um, and although I've been with medical supervision, I have reduced the amount of medication that I'm taking and I do plan to become Get off pharmace- of pharmaceutically free at some point yeah. in my life. Um I have to be very careful because, so I, like, like I say, with the, especially with with the antipsychotics, it's um, psychosis is no joke. It's um, it was fucking scary. Yeah. Um, depression is is no picnic, and you know, being bipolar. Being in that depressive state is, you know yourself. You've been there. Do you know what I mean? When you when you're contemplating taking your own life, you know what that feels like. Um, but psychosis is a, especially depressive psychosis. I was hallucinating. I was hearing things that weren't there and seeing things that weren't there and delusional believing things that weren't real um and it it's a scary place to be in um and uh so talking to you know talking to medical professionals and and getting on medication is you know was what worked for me um and then you know like i said i've the love of a good woman and that support network of, of around me, of my, of my family and friends. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. You know, I've been very, I do consider myself to be very, very lucky in the fact that I've got, you know, you know, Becky behind me and I've got a good circle of friends that I've known for many, many years um, since sort of primary school, really. You know, I've got a circle of about three or four good close friends that I've known for a long time. And um, my mate Mick in particular, like when I got put in hospital, he was he would come around and see Becky every night to see whether she was okay and yeah. asking about me and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, 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 you you know when, you know, you, that's when you find out who you, your Real true friends friend are. Yeah. You know what I mean? In, in times <laughs> like that. And, um, you know, I'm very lucky to have that close group of friends, you know, Ross and Mick and Stefan and John, and they um, they all rallied round and 
yeah, it means a lot, you know. It's um, yeah, my and, and I, I suppose my biggest regret of, of of the whole thing was that Becky was witness to it all. Yeah, she was the one who had to take me into hospital and deal, you know, and when I was suicidal and wanting to hurt myself and. Yeah, I, I do regret that she had yeah. to witness that. You know, what are you what are you doing to kind of deal with that thought process? Because that that's that's gonna potentially sort of rear its ugly head in you holding yeah, on to we, too much of that. It's just just com- just conversation, just communication, basically. Yeah. Just um, we you know we we communicate much better than we ever used to because of counselling. We've learned techniques and we're a lot honest, a lot more honest with each other than we ever used to be when we first got together. And, and uh, like I say, she's, she's dragged that out of me. She's, she's kind of like taught me to be a lot more open about my feelings and talk about my feelings a lot more. And so we, we communicate effectively. It's, um, something that I'm quite proud of that I've been married for sort of like 16, 17 years. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, it's, it's longer than either of my parents were married or our siblings or anything like that. And so it's something that I'm quite proud of, you know, yeah. and um, something that we've had to work hard. At. Yeah. As I said, I think like all, most strong relationships have had troubles that they have to work through. Um, Absolutely. And a lot of, there's a lot of you know people that you're aware of, or at least in the media, really, really short marriages. It's a yeah. lot of people get married for the wrong reasons, sure. um, and you know a marriage is going to take hard work. You know it really yeah. does, and communication. Like I said, you know we've we've had our issues because of lack of communication. Yeah, um, and so we we've, we've worked a lot through them now. And we have to understand that we're going to be open and honest with each other because it doesn't help hiding things from each other. It certainly doesn't help. Um, but you know, it's it's good that you've you've so my open those channels between each other to you know and have that understanding of each other and each other's problems to be able to say look you know we need to have a conversation about this you know I, I'm feeling like this can we go and speak to someone you know and having that good support network of friends yeah. is extremely important you know I've I've got very few really really good friends who I know will always be there no matter how little I speak to yeah um, you know and they they are people who have pretty much survived from school uh, yeah. school age anyway but one of them's two years younger than me and one of them's two years older than me so they weren't my school friends no. all my no. school friends are gone yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're gone but again I learned fairly recently that I'm really quite happy with that because some of yeah. them some of these people who I thought were friends who were just assholes who you just kind of yeah. acquainted with at the time haven't grown up or developed or stopped being assholes. And yeah. it's I'm like, well, you know, they were never really that good a friend anyway. They're just kind of people I knew and they're, they're gone. So now yeah. they are whittled down to the people that I trust, um, you know, and it's, it's extremely important, I think, to know who they, they are. Yeah. Um, and is, it, is there anything you do for yourself personally, like hobbies-wise or f- uh, sports activities-wise that you do to maintain or you like to hold on to to maintain your mental happiness, your day-to-day happiness now? Obviously, it's a bit of a struggle with the current situation. But... Yeah, I mean, the current situation is not helping. I mean, what we've quite recently been 
doing because of lockdown and not being anything to do is walking. And that's yeah. really been helping, um, getting outside, going for walks. Um, very lucky living in Kent that there are some beautiful places that you can go. Yeah. There's some lovely walks that you can go on. And um, that's really helped recently. I've sort of like, we we both got to the point where we'd sort of like, you know, we need to sort this shit out now. We've, you know, we lack of motivation, lack of fitness. Yeah. This sort of thing. And uh, we, you know, we, we both kind of like got ourselves Fitbits and smartwatches and bits and bobs and sort of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, right. We're going to get our steps in and get out walking and, and, because uh, there's nothing else to do. No. There's no, nowhere else to go to be yeah. able to do anything. So, and, but it's really helped really, yeah, really. Helped. I think that having that, like the, the, the sports watch thing that holds you ca- accountable visibly for the things you've set, like your goals. Like I want to yeah. do this amount of steps. Oh, well, you're being shouted at right now. My watch is telling me to go climb the stairs again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> myself and my wife, we're doing that last night, just running up and down the stairs a few times yeah. just, to, just to meet our targets. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's obviously like to make that decision to have something outside of the house to to keep yeah. it going. Um, like mine for so long has been combat sports, and I'm not yes. been able to do it for the whole year. And it's I've grown up on it, uh, and yeah. it's missing now. I don't like when I took a break from it. I took a break from it. Sure. I'm being forced into it now. Where I was at yeah. a position where it's like I'm really enjoying my jujitsu. I've just been promoted. I've I lined up I think four or five competitions yeah. last year that I was preparing for is like get the weight down, get those goals back on. I'm not injured anymore so I can focus. And yeah. now it's like, I can't do any of it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready now. I'm ready to go yeah. choke, choke my friends exactly. um, <laughs> in the safest possible manner. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, you know, I, it's, uh, yeah, I need to get out. I need to get out and go chuck my friends. That's that's just it. My, <laughs> my, my combat sports has been missing for too long now. Um, yeah. And as much as I love, obviously, spending time with my family, it's been been amazing and terrible with the homeschooling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Very but, challenging. I mean, I don't envy. I don't envy a lot of my friends. All, all of my friends have got kids. Yeah. It's obviously something that never happened for me and Becky, unfortunately. But like. Um, yeah, I don't envy the whole the whole homeschooling thing, and uh, and uh, and all that. And, and it, but it's hard for them as well. Do you know what I mean? Not oh, being yeah. able to, not being able to see their friends and or only over screens and all the rest of it. And uh, like I say, I wouldn't want to be a kid these days. No, um, it's it's hard for them. I mean, I've got I've got nieces and nephews. Um, they're all sort of well. My niece is still at school, but like my nephews are all sort of like university and work age now. But um, my niece, Dillis, she's still at school and she was struggling not seeing her friends and stuff. And but yeah. you know where they're all back in school now, it's it's uh, it's better for them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I've uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed covering a lot of these uh, a lot of these subjects. A lot of them quite hard to talk about. I'm sure, and I'm so glad that most of it you must have opened up to about recently. Anyway, <laughs> in, your, in your counselling sessions, anyway, which is good. It's good to, to talk and get them off your chest. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll round this up, and if yeah. you 
if you don't mind, if if you had one solid piece of advice or information you think you'd, you'd like to share for people to understand who might have might be dealing with grief or the well, yeah, dealing with grief or the, the past childhood traumas. One bit of advice that you you think is really helpful. Um, don't boil it up. Don't boil it up because it just doesn't achieve anything. Um, you know, like I say, bottling up my feelings for a number of years got to that point where it broke me. And it's just, it's it's easier than you think to talk to somebody because once you start, you it, it's like a floodgate opens and you then can't stop a lot of the time. I mean, I've rambled on for hours today and it's like, you know, I've been known to sort of like emotionally vomit over somebody in the past where I've sort of like bottled up stuff for so long and then it's come out and uh yeah it's it's easier than than you might think it's I know it's scary and you might not want to do it but it's worth it in the end you know don't bullshit up because it it it'll, it'll come out sideways yeah yeah, yeah it's, it'll come uh, out sideways and I think that is going to be pretty much the the like um the whole sentiment of most most of these uh, interviews or conversations and not interviews as so the conversations end yeah. up at the same thing. Don't bottle it up. Open yeah. up. Talking yeah. talking is freedom and it's power. You know, it it, it helps you see, you know, your the, yeah, it just helps helps you to highlight some of the problems you had, helps you to see a way out, helps you to see, like you said, you know, your true friends and you know, you realize just how many people do actually care for you and do love you. And, yeah. and and we'll worry about you and we'll be there for you. So yeah, that's you know, awesome advice. Um, open up, you know, because yeah. bottling in as much as you think helps, it really, really doesn't. No. So, no, not at all. But I appreciate you opening up about so many things and having this conversation with me. Um oh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, mate. I hope you, like I said, when I messaged you yesterday, I hope you didn't mind me sort of like being being bold and kind of like but I listened to your stuff and just related to a lot of it, like I said, and, you know, I just thought it might be nice to sort of like tell people my story and, uh, you know, let them know that there is a, there is a positive and there is a way out the other side of it. Yeah. And, um, and just that I'm grateful for being out the other side of it and having survived. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I appreciate that. And, uh, Look forward to seeing you um, soon succeed in all your <laughs> ventures. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I'm having a good time doing it so far. So uh, we'll keep it up and keep it going and keep it strong. And yeah. I'd say hopefully people will take a lot from from these and that. That's that's the idea. It's just help people to understand that other people are have also or are still struggling. But you know, with the right with the right people, you know, you, yeah. you can you can find freedom from it. Um, you yeah. can you can feel better. Um, but yeah, so that's all. That is it. Um, so yeah, I appreciate it, Seth. Thank you very much. I look forward to meeting up with you again when things open up. We'll grab a coffee again, like yeah, a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, so I hope things stay 
on the positive for you. Keep talking, yeah, stay yeah. open, say hello to your wife for me. And uh, maybe in the future I might even see you on the mat somewhere. Yes, you never know. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth. Thank you very much, mate. I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, bud. Cheers.